moment and say, you know, I made a commitment to this guy. I made a commitment to this gal. If you're married. When I gave birth to my kids, I made a commitment by my actions to these little men and women. I made a commitment to God. And for a lot of us, we're forgetting the commitment we've made. And we're breaking the covenant in a million different ways. In our culture, as we age, we're expected to eventually turn on the cruise control, as if everything important we've done is finished. As far as God is concerned, He'll use you mightily if you remain obedient to Him. Noah was an older man, but God was able to accomplish everything because His strength is limitless. Now here's Pastor Daniel in the book of 1 John chapter 5, verse 3, with our continuing study entitled, The Flood. It's fascinating that God's covenant is with Noah, his wife, his three sons, and their wives. Now, it's interesting, once you get to verse 19, that God says he wants Noah to bring two of every animal into the ark, one male and one female, birds of animal, and notice birds after its kind, so different species of birds, different animals, different things that creep on the earth. Okay? So God wants to preserve all of the creation, but he's only going to preserve one family, Noah and his sons and their wives, and then male and female of every animal. That's what it says. It's interesting that God, being a good God, in verse 21, reminds him to take food for himself. And you got to love that about the Lord. Always thinking of the little things. He didn't want Noah... And, and his family to get hungry, start killing the animals that God wants to repopulate the earth with. So he says, listen, bring some food for yourselves. And I, you got to love verse 22 here, because look, and Noah did according to all that God commanded him, so he did. Obedience is the highest form of worship. I want you to write that in your journals, in your notes. Take a moment. Obedience is the highest form of of worship. God commanded it. Noah said, well, God said it. I believe it. Let's do it. And Noah did exactly what he was supposed to do. And so much of our Christian lives, so much of our spiritual lives gets ruined because we know what we ought to do and we choose to do something else. Now, I love my kids. My poor, you know, I was thinking about my poor kids because, I mean, they're, they're not poor kids, you know, but, you know, they're preacher's kids. I'm allowed to say that. Well, what, what that means is this, is that, is that you guys are going to all hear stories about Obadiah and Maranatha their whole lives, you know, and, and they're cute stories and we love them. But my kids are, are well-trained now. When I say, listen, now, Obadiah, you cannot, you cannot use Maranatha as a tackling dummy. 
So Obadiah, right, when the Giants were playing in the Super Bowl, Obadiah got really into football, which you'd expect because his dad's screaming with joy at the television, you know. And so Obadiah, of course, he gets the football, and he's like, okay, Maranatha, ready? And, he fl- and he's seven, and she's three, almost four. And, he, and he's just like mauling her, you know, just tackling her. And she thinks it's great. I mean, she just likes the fact that her brother's playing with her, you know. And so she thinks it's great. I'm like, Obadiah, you can't tackle your sister. She's a little girl. Oh, okay, okay, Abba, he says. And you know what happens when I walk upstairs. You, you know what happens, right? Because it was fun. And Abba's the great killjoy, you know. And so sure enough, I say, Obadiah, what are you doing? Nothing. You guys know how this goes. And so I said, Obadiah, what did Abba say? He said, oh, don't tackle Maranatha. And what are you doing? I'm tackling Maranatha. I'm like, Obadiah, what do we call that? Disobedience. <laughs> and me and Obadiah, we got this thing down now. But you know what? What about us? God says this. We do something else. What do we call that? Disobedience. Obedience is the highest form of worship. We give God the most glory when we simply take him at his word and do what he says. And as we get older, we get really, really good at trying to justify disobedience. Noah didn't. He just did what God said. Listen to Hebrews 11.7 where Noah shows up in the hall of faith. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of the things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared the ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. I love this. Noah's been divinely warned of things he has not yet seen. He moved with godly fear, and he prepared the ark and saved his household. When was the last time you thought to yourself, God has told me to trust him, walk by faith? This is what he says in his word. I'm going to move with godly fear to do that. And we know what the outcome was. I think of 1 John chapter 5, verse 3. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. The reason the church of Jesus Christ isn't what God has intended it to be not as because God's spirit isn't enough, but because we like to be disobedient, don't we? I mean, I, every day I wake up, I'm like, Lord, you know I'm a rebellious child. And you guys are like, well, of course you are, Pastor Daddy. We know that about you, you know? But I, I, I said, God, you know that I like rebellion. That comes naturally. If it's not for the grace of God, rebellion is what you get. But then you read things like this, where Noah heard what God said, and he just did it. And you're just like, yes, there it is. There it is. Now, in Genesis chapter 7, verse 1, Then the Lord said to Noah, Come into the ark, you and all your household, because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. You shall take with you seven each of every clean animal, a male and a female, two each of animals that are unclean, a male and his female, each Also, seven each of the birds of the air, male and female, to keep the species alive on the face of the earth. For after seven more days, I will cause it to rain on the earth, 40 days and 40 nights. I will destroy from the face of the earth all living things that I have made. And Noah did according 
to all that the Lord commanded him. Noah was 600 years old when the flood waters were on the earth. So now we have this reality that Noah says, listen, I want you to come in, or the Lord says, no, I want you to come into the ark. Now he says, I want you to take seven of the clean animals. Now, we start getting, this starts getting into some of the worship prescriptions that we learn about in the book of Exodus. But clean animals, we, you can read all about this if you want. I don't have time today, but if you look at Leviticus chapter 11, there's all this discussion about clean animals and unclean animals. And clean animals were animals that were worthy to be sacrificed to the Lord. They were worthy offerings to the Lord. There's other animals that were considered unclean, which were not to be sacrificed. So that's where the concepts come from. If you read Leviticus 11 in your own time, or you can wait a couple years and we'll get into, maybe not a couple years, we'll get to Leviticus and then we can have at it uh, on on what these things are and why. But once Noah gets out of the ark, he's going to offer God sacrifices which is something that we'd already seen begun in Genesis chapter 4. Now, it's interesting that there was seven more days until the waters came. And people go crazy about why seven days, what happened, blah, 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 blah. And the answer is we just don't know why, except for the fact that God waited. Now, not only did God wait seven days, but it says he's going to rain on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. And if you've read your Bible at all, you know that this 40-day thing pops up over and over again. That's why if you enjoy things like numerology, people would say that the number 40 is the number of judgment or trials. And for those of you who have hit 40, you know what I'm talking about. I'm just kidding. But for those, I know that 40 is a, a big deal age for a lot of people. It's like for some reason they hit 40 and things get all, you know, they get all a little like, whoa, I'm 40. Well, and maybe there's some reason, some existential thing that goes on at 40. But we know, of course, that it rained for 40 days and nights. It was 40 days and, until the destruction of Nineveh. When Jonah was preaching, Jesus fasted for 40 days in the wilderness when he was tempted by Satan. We know that the Jews wandered for 40 years in the wilderness. And there's some other ones as well. So this number comes up over and over and over again. Now, it's interesting. All this happens when Noah was 600 years old. Now, what this means for those of you who are seasoned in years, that man, Noah, built that ark when he was 500. And I just say, right on. No matter if you're 20 or if you're 80, God wants to use you. There's no retiring from the purposes of God. There's no, I'm too old. It's for you young whippersnappers. No, 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 no. American culture teaches you that, not the Bible. I always think of Caleb, who when Caleb was older, Caleb took the hill. All the young whippersnappers didn't want to go there. But Caleb's like, I'll take that hill. And he actually got to marry Joshua's young daughter because of it. He got his trophy wife so to speak, for taking that hill. And you got to love that, man. I, my prayer, and, I, like, and we should be inspired by Pastor Bill. You know who Pastor Bill is? God's used him mightily in, in, in founding and pastoring this church for 36 years. And now Pastor Bill has a, a new hill that he's taken right now with the Next Step ministry. I was just talking to another brother who's just uh, turning over his business that he's been working. He's got a new hill that he's taking right now. For God's glories, start a whole new uh, ministry that he's getting started up. 
I love that. I pray that God will give me long years so I can do that. Be, be my most daring when I'm my most seasoned. How awesome is that? Noah's an old dude, but he's doing it. He's going for it. And I pray that we're all like that. We're all doing that kind of thing. Now, verse 7. So Noah with his sons, his wife, and his sons' wives went into the ark because of the waters of the flood, of clean animals, of animals that are unclean, of birds, and of everything that creeps on the earth. Two by two, they went into the ark to Noah, male and female, as God had commanded Okay, now you notice this. Noah and his sons get into the ark and all the animals come to the ark. Now this is important because in verse 19 of Genesis 6, it says that God was going to bring two of every animal to Noah. Because everybody, if you're a skeptic, you're like, oh, come on. I mean, you got to be rational. You actually believe this stuff that two of every animal, male and female, actually made onto the ark. Like, how did Noah do that? And the reality is Noah didn't have to do it because God sent the animals. God sent them. Now, you only struggle with that if you don't believe in God. If you believe in God, you're like, well, this is completely plausible. There's no problem with this because if God is doing it, it's no problem. Now, you might say, well, you know, I don't understand how you can believe in that. And I believe that if you go talk to a zookeeper, a zookeeper can get two of every animal in one place at one time pretty well. And if a human can do it, don't you think God who created him can do it? I mean, that, that's really the way I argue. Anyone who doesn't believe in, a min, in miracles. Oh, how can you believe a virgin gave birth to Jesus? I'm like, easy. You could take a woman who's never had sexual relations with anyone. You could t- bring her to a clinic and you can uh, in vitro fertilize one of her eggs. She doesn't ever have to know a person. If humans can figure out how to do it with technology, can't God do that? Oh, how do you believe in the parting of the Red Sea? Will you ever look at a dam? You ever go to an aquarium where you, there's walls of water? You can see the fish. Whoa. Men figured out how to do that with a little glass and some smart engineering. Who created man? You get almost every miracle. You're like, yeah. And then you have things like the sun going back on the sundial. Only God can do that stuff unless the man moves the sundial. <laughs> but that's one of those ones that only God can do. Man can't figure that one out yet. So you get all the animals come. Verse 10. And it came to pass after seven days that the waters of the flood were on the earth. I love this simply because God said it was going to happen in seven days. And in seven days, what happened? It happened. Because God's word is true. God's word is sure. When God says something's going to be this way, that is the way it is. Now, in verse 11, in the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, On that day, all the fountains of the great deep were broken up and the windows of heaven were opened and the rain was on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. So this flood came both from the earth and from the windows of heaven. Now, if you're here when we studied the creation account, we made the point that there is a good chance that when God separated the waters with the sky, that the earth was potentially encased with almost like a, uh, there was water surrounding the earth. And we talked about how that's one of the reasons people could have lived really long, that there was water around. Now, I don't want to press that because you're not sure when the windows of heaven opened, because it just really rained. And, I mean, we live here in the Pacific Northwest, so we know what that's like. So I don't want to press something, but the reality is is that you have rising tides from the earth and you have rain coming from the sky. This is how the flood is happening. 
Okay? And this happened for 40 days and 40 nights. As we get to verse 13, we start getting some more details. On the same day, Noah and Noah's sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and Noah's wife, and the three wives of his sons with them entered the ark. They and every beast after its kind, all cattle after its kind, every creeping thing that creeps on the earth after its kind, and every bird after its kind, every bird of every sort. And they went into the ark to Noah, two by two of all flesh, in which is the breath of life. So those who entered, male and female of all flesh, went in as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. Wow. So everyone gets on the ark, and who shuts them in? The Lord. It's powerful. The Lord actually shut the door to keep them in. Beautiful. Verse 17. Now the flood was on the earth 40 days. The waters increased and lifted up the ark, and it rose high above the earth. Verse 18. The waters prevailed and greatly increased on the earth, and the ark moved about on the surface of the waters, and the waters prevailed exceedingly on the earth, and all the high hills under the whole heaven were covered. The waters prevailed 15 cubits upward, and the mountains were covered. And all flesh died that moved on the earth, birds and cattle and beasts of every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, and every man, all in whose nostrils was the breath of the spirit of life, all that was on the dry land died. So he destroyed all living things that were on the face of the ground, both, both man and cattle, creeping things and bird of the air. They were destroyed from the earth. Only Noah and those who remained were with him and the ark remained alive and the waters prevailed on the earth 150 days. Do you notice the repetition of the waters prevailing? Over and over and over again. Verse 17, verse 18, verse 19, verse 20, and then verse 24. Over and over and over again to make you realize that the waters took over and everything died. Everybody died. Now, it's fascinating. You can read, if you were to read the, the ancient writings of almost every tribe, almost every tribe has some sort of a flood account. Different scholars have spoken of this. Um, I didn't, I, I'll be honest, I didn't do all the back research on that. I didn't go and read everybody's stuff. But James Montgomery Boyce, who is a, a, a very well-known commentator, says there's legends in the Samokubo tribe of New Guinea, the Athapascan Indians of America, the Papago Indians of Arizona, Brazilian tribe, Peruvian Indians, African Hottentots, natives of Greenland, native Hawaiian Islanders, Hindus, Chinese, Egyptians, Greeks, Persians, Australian natives, the Welsh, Celts, Druids, Siberians, and Lithuanians all have a flood story. What's up with that? Who's left? Who makes it out the backside of this? Simply this. The only people who made out were the people on the ark. That's what the story says unequivocally. Notice, only, verse 23, only Noah and those who were with him in the ark remained alive. So these waters rise, they're covering all the mountains, everybody's dying, and the waters are on the earth for 150 days. That's five months. So it rains for 40, and then for five months, the water is there. The earth is under water. Now, in verse chapter 8, then God remembered Noah 
and every living thing and all the animals that were with him on the ark. And God made a wind to pass over the earth and the water subsides. The fountains of the deep and the windows of heaven were also stopped and the rain from heaven was restrained. This is what I want to do. I don't want to fly through this chapter in five minutes. I want to close with verse one. So we'll take the flood part two next week. It says, and God remembered Noah. So are you telling me that God forgot about Noah? People say that's like, I mean, you, you believe in God and now it says God remembered Noah. The expression remember does not mean calling to mind here. Again, it is covenantal language designating fidelity. God is acting in accordance with his earlier promise to Noah. So it says God remembered Noah. It doesn't mean that God had forgotten about him. It was like, oh yeah, Noah and his family and those animals. Man, I'm glad I didn't leave them in there forever. It wasn't like God, you know, spaced out. He had a senior moment or something. You know, God got it wrong on his calendar. He forgot to text himself a reminder. It wasn't like that. God was remembering. He was calling himself to mind the promise that he had made. And I want to close with this application for us. For a lot of us, we need to remember to be faithful. We need to take a moment and say, you know, I made a commitment to this guy. I made a commitment to this gal. If you're married, when I gave birth to my kids, I made a commitment by my actions to these little men and women. I made a commitment to God. And for a lot of us, we're forgetting the commitment we've made. And we're breaking the covenant in a million different ways. The act that this reality of coming back to God's faithfulness God is calling again, reminding that he made a promise that he intends to keep. What about us? Are there covenants that we're breaking right now? My prayer is that in these last few moments as I pray, that you'll be saying, Lord, search my heart and know me. Reveal your heart to me. Renew a clean heart in me. Lead me in the way of everlasting. Remind me of what I promised my wife that I would be when we got married. Remind me what I promised my husband I would be. Remind me what I thought I was going to be for my kids. Remind me when God was moving in my heart the kind of employee I was going to be or employer I was going to be. Remind me of how I told God I was going to live my life when I was young and zealous and naive. And Lord, let us walk in those ways again, like children, with innocence, without fear, with the simple trust of a child in a God who is way more faithful than we will ever be. Jesus is In Noah's day, rebelliousness was rampant, and the same holds true today. We are all rebellious children, and as Pastor Daniel reminded us, only the grace of God can cure our natural tendency to sin. 
God gave Noah specific instructions in building the ark and caring for the animals, and Noah was obedient to all of it. After 40 days and nights on the ark, God prepared his commitment to Noah, and so should we remember our commitments. For most of us, our smartphone is an extension of our body. They are constantly ringing and dinging, telling us what to do and where to go next. We want to encourage you to subscribe to the Jesus is Real podcast. Each week, the programs right here on the radio are available in podcast format. So if you miss one of the broadcasts, you can always catch up by subscribing to the Jesus is Real podcast. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com. Next time on Jesus is Real Radio, we'll begin part two of this message about the Great Flood. Noah spent years preparing, but for most people, the flood came suddenly. It's an ending for many, but a new beginning for God and His people. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through his series entitled Origins next time on Jesus is Real Radio.